tonight, I've just got a really simple message of Old Covenant versus New Covenant. And for all the newbies in the room, you're like, Old Covenant, New Covenant, what are you talking about? Well, I will try my best tonight to unpack what that means with uh, truth that makes sense to you. No, it is not Old Testament and New Testament, although that is commonly confused. Um, And I'm just going to spoil it all at the start of the message now. Old Covenant is post-fall, pre-Jesus, right? That's like the simplest way to explain it. But we came into new covenant after Jesus died for all mankind and rose again, that's a crucial part, and tore the veil of sin and death. Is that good news to anyone in the room tonight? Does anyone know that they're living under new covenant? I hope that I am, (laughs) which is awesome. So I actually, um, I'm a visual person. And I need things broken down for me, for me to understand. So I've tried to draw two pie charts. Um, So Mitch, amazing Mitch, how awesome are our tech team, by the way? I actually made these slides, and then right before the service, he goes, "Uh, they didn't work, so I made them better. And I'm like, that's cool. (laughs) So Mitch is a legend. So as we can see, the old covenant is... If you're living under the old covenant, you can be led by the law, uh, meaning that you have a good works mentality. So you're trying to prove yourself to God, right? Uh, You have the knowledge of sin, and both of these can be quite selfish because at its core, it is still all about you, right? Uh, In old covenant, you prefer ritual over righteousness, and so we have a fruit of religiosity that comes out of this. In Old Covenant, there is atonement over grace, so you think that you have to one-for-one type thing, sacrifice. Um, And there is no personal transformation and no personal revelation. So that just means that there's no Jesus in your life. You know of God. You can probably recite scripture, but it has no impact on your life, right? Oops, sorry has no impact on your life. Um, A perfect example of this is the Israelites. Like I said, I need uh, examples and broken down so that I can understand it. So our friends, the Israelites, I uh, commonly refer to them as the idiot lights because whenever I'm feeling bad about my own life, I just uh, go into the Bible and read about the Israelites and I'm like, okay, things aren't so bad. Uh, (laughs) they, uh, They sought after men's approval. And basically only communicated to God through said person. For example, Moses getting the Israelites out of Egypt or captivity, captivity, excuse me. Freedom was offered to them, but because an entire nation was captive, mind, body, and spirit, they turned to man for their answers and ultimately their freedom. Can anyone relate pre-Jesus, pre-knowing Jesus with that mentality? So, like I said, they were led by the law and they, had to, they felt that they had to prove themselves for um, God's love or attention or even just communication for relationship. And because they were all human, like we are, uh, failure was at an all-time high. And uh, they remind me of a healthy company of people that just really knew how to live in disobedience forward slash frustrate the heck out of God. Right? So, for example, uh, their leader, Moses, on their journey to freedom, 
they were in Egypt for centuries, right? Like a really long time under the rule of a man named Pharaoh who was not a nice person and they were literally slaves for that whole time. Like I'm talking generations. There would have been some people that were born into slavery and some people that their whole lives were part of this, right? And then Moses came along because he heard from God. God encountered him. The spirit of God came upon him uh, through a burning bush that didn't burn. Um, And he said, you're going to bring all these people out of slavery and into freedom, and I've got a land flowing with milk and honey waiting for them, right? So Moses is like, good deal, no worries. Um, And he goes to Pharaoh, does all the thing, does all the talking, and then they actually, like, God moves like he always does and brings freedom like he always does, hello. And um, the Israelites came out of Egypt, and if you know the story, if you know, you know. The, The seas parted, they went through the Jordan, then it crashed on their enemies. They got to the other side and they were like, okay, cool. And now what? They had never been free before. They didn't know how to exercise that freedom. So they turned to Moses, who was their leader, but actually he was just a man like them. And so in actual fact, scholars have said that the journey by foot, because like pre-Jesus days, so, you know, walking was their only form of transport, um, would have taken 11 days from that point to the promised land. Can anyone tell me how long they were circling the desert for? 40 years. I feel like the dark age-old question that kids ask their parents on road trips started from that 40 years. Are we there yet? (laughs) I can't imagine how many times God was frustrated with man during that 40 years. He's like, Are you serious, guys? 11 days. We've been doing this for 28 years, 47 days, 17 hours, and five minutes. Come on. Right? Um, They were free in the natural, however, spiritually and emotionally still tied in chains. So that's basically what Old Covenant is. Without Jesus, life is really hard. (laughs) Without Jesus, life kind of sucks. The Israelites portray that without Jesus, generations suffer. Hello. And without Jesus, only the chosen, i.e. Moses, experience God in a real way. So I want to talk about some fruit that comes from, well, fruit that comes from living in Old Covenant. You only have limited intimacy with God. How can you be intimate with someone when you don't know them? Right? Right? The other one is uh, you only have intimate communication with God. You may know about God, but you don't talk with him. It's not a daily thing. It's not a relationship, right? It's like the, the pie chart said, it's ritual. So some people come to church just to come to church and do their thing on a Sunday because that's what they think being a Christian means. They don't actually come into the building and worship with the body of Christ. They have no meaning for it, right? And the last one um, of Old Covenant fruit is religiosity. Again, ritual. Kind of a boring way to live. Don't you think? I have this story of um, a friend called Patricia. Again, if you know, you know. (laughs) Uh, Patricia knew of God. Patricia grew up in a Christian home with an amazing family. She comes from a long line of pastors and church leaders. 
So Patricia, like I said before, could quote scripture to you, but she didn't have a personal revelation of what any of those words meant. They didn't mean anything to her. It was just a book, right? Ink on a page. Uh, Patricia did not communicate with God. Patricia, much like the Israelites, was frustrated with God when her life sucked. And when really she just made bad choices and um, needed someone to blame. Hello? (laughs) Patricia hated life and she thought that she had no purpose in life when she actually just didn't know the reality of what living in new covenant with the creator of the world could be. So that brings me to, well, what the heck is new covenant then? Well, glad you asked. Uh, Can we move on to the new covenant pie chart? So good. Thank you, Mitch. You are turning into my best friend tonight. (laughs) Uh, In new covenant, we have direct access to the Father through Holy Spirit. If you don't know who Holy Spirit is, you got to meet him. He is not this mythical spirit. He's not just a spirit. He is a person. He is alive and he changes your life. Uh, In new covenant, the promises of God are yes and amen. Can I get an amen? Uh, Living in new covenant gives you an importance of communion. Now, if you look up the word communion on Google, it'll tell you that communion is intimacy through relationship. Keep that in mind. Uh, We become heirs of Christ. And I just wanted to put that in there because I wanted to be called what I really am, a queen. Um, (laughs) And in New Covenant, we have the opportunity to um, do water baptism. Now, I want to talk about this because on Easter Sunday, we actually celebrate as a family and baptize baptize those who want to in water. This is, this is one of my favorite services of the whole entire year. I weep like a baby. I do. I'm not an emotional person, but like I need a whole box of Kleenex to um, help me. Yeah, good. Mitch, he's all over it. Didn't even plan that. Um, water baptism is a physical example of old going under the water and new coming alive in Christ. And I love that we as a church celebrate with those together. So can I encourage you, if you're thinking of being water baptized, please either come see me, keep doing that, um, or go put your name down at the info desk. Honestly, it is, after meeting Jesus, one of the best decisions that you will ever make. Your life will go from here to like way above the roof, like zero to 100, right? Which is awesome. Can we go back to the... Jesus was the perfect demonstration of selfless rather than being selfish, what we talked about earlier with the old covenant. So what we know about Jesus is that he actually came to earth from God's instruction into a lady named Mary, and we'll meet her later on tonight. But he uh, came to earth to redeem us. There was no other option for God to redeem his original plan of relationship other than to sacrifice one of his own, right? And so he literally gave up himself. There were so many options, uh, so many chances, sorry, in Jesus' life when he was on this earth for 33 years where he could have been like, nah, stuff it, sorry God, take me home. And then just wait. 
right? But he endured the cross, the Bible says, for the joy of us, which is always good news. So my uh, New Covenant Bible hero example, and this is a well-known example, is Paul. Um, Arguably, he's probably one of the better apostles in the New Testament. That is my opinion, so don't fight me, don't email me, I won't read it. Um, (laughs) Because he knew of God, right? His whole, if you don't know Paul in the Bible, his whole job was to kill and slaughter Christian leaders. So he definitely knew who Jesus was. Um, Yeah, but he was encountered by the Spirit of God, Spirit of the living God, hello, on a a road. This is in Acts chapter 2, if you want to read it in your own time. And he was, God literally had to blind this man to get his attention, right? To set him on the path of what his life was actually purposed for. So uh, his, he initially had a knowledge of God, but no revelation of who God is or his insatiable de- desire to know us. And um, he had his knowledge, and that turned into a spiritual experience on the road to Damascus. And then he had a personal revelation of Christ, which turned into him receiving the commission and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he began to live his life for and with Christ, how we are all designed to live. It's actually what you were created for, which is such a privilege. So fruit that comes from living in new covenant. This is my favorite part. By knowing Jesus, you have direct access to health and healing. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jeremiah 30, chapter 17, chapter, oh my gosh. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17 says, For I will restore health, this is a promise, will, because when God says something, promises of God are what? And? For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. And I feel like every time when I read in the Bible, says the Lord, I have to reread what he said, but read it in a really deep voice, like, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, crazy, right? Uh, the next one is provision. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Uh, the Lord is my associate at work, and we don't really know each other, and he gives me enough to last till the end of next week. Sorry, I didn't bring my glasses tonight. I'm just going to have to read that again. Let me stand back a little bit. The Lord is my best friend relationship. Hello? And my shepherd, leader, hello, and I always have more than enough. I don't know how many times after coming into new covenant with God that I had to speak this over my life because there was a period of time where I could only keep a casual job. And I'm like, come on, God, you said that you are my provider and that you always give me more than enough. And since I started declaring that, I honestly, I challenge you, do it and see what happens. Because I have never lacked. Other translations say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Right? The next one is God. Jesus gives us a hope. 
Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good news, someone. Come on. And then he also gives us direct access to the Father. Look, I have to pause for a second. Yes, it is awesome. This morning, Pastor Sam took half of my message. I just have to get something off my chest here. And he had props, okay? So I'm sorry this is not as exciting. But, like, it's the same thing. Obviously, God has an agenda for us today. Here, uh, New Covenant gives us direct access to the Father. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. He used the same verse as well. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. That's awesome. I love that. I love that I don't have to go to my parents to talk to God. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Love you. You're awesome. But direct access to the Father, He wants to know me. He wants to know you. You may think that you're really weird. Heck, I know that I'm weird, okay? Okay, but he, that is His favorite thing about you. And can I tell you, you have direct access to Him. It's awesome. And one of the other things is fruit of the Spirit. Mm-mm-mm. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Uh, for those playing at home, that's a really long, fancy word for patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the one that I struggle with, just being honest, self-control. Against such, there is no... Sorry, can you read that for me? There is no what? Law. Against such, there is no law. So if old covenant is being led by the law and new covenant is you're living in the spirit and your life portrays this as, as fruit, you're against such law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also, oh, excuse me, let us also walk in the Spirit. It's good news. So, I pose a question. Why did God change the covenant from old to new? I have two points about this tonight. The first one being, God had an original plan. So, does anyone remember the Garden of Eden in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible? Yep. Our old mates, Adam and Eve. I have like a a soft spot for them, but I also kind of really don't like them because of what happened in the third chapter, but we'll read about that soon. Um, It was the perfect paradise that God created. Its whole intention was that God made creation, us included, so that he could have perfect communion with us, an intimate relationship with us, right? And so he first created light, great, then the waters that would separate heaven and earth, then the land on which we stand, great south land of the Holy Spirit. Then he created nature, trees, plants, fruit, and seed for more fruits. I'm not so keen on like that part, but that's okay. Then he painted the night sky. He got a little creative with the stars in the sky. And can I say, we're in 2019 AD. Scientists are still finding stars in the sky. Like we're talking about a complex creation. He also created our daily and nightly beacons of light, sun and the moon, and then that gave us day and night. Thanks, God. 
helped us out real good. And then our nature friends of the land, sea, and sky. And again, we as humans are still finding species of each of those. We're still finding animals that feel like they're going to kill us. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, God, your creation is great. Um, fish in the sea that are real weird and kind of like if they touch you, they'll kill you. Great. <laughs> but at the hand of a master, right? And so um, in the first chapter of Genesis, there was a place where God became very pleased with himself because he could start to see his eternal desire and design start to, un, um, start to form before him in his own creation. So can we read chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, please? Then God said, let us make us, God and the Spirit of God, who were together at the beginning of time, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over... Okay, pause. Vegans, can you listen <laughs> real carefully? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, amen, over the birds of the earth, and over the cattle, amen, over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Sorry, I'm not trying to be annoying. I just want to make a point. Um, and then we read at the end of this uh, chapter in verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. Everybody give yourself a pat on the back because God's talking about you right now. He said, mm-hmm, I am very good. No one said it. I am very good. Thank you, Talia. But what, reading over this, when I was preparing this message, I'm like, so God, let me, let me get this straight. We are still finding out aspects of your creation. And yet when you made us, that's when you came to the conclusion that yes, oh yeah, this is good. We were created for a purpose, on purpose, right? And so the start of the next chapter, he said, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. So creation wasn't actually completed until you and I came into the picture. He had an agenda for life. It included him. It included, I mean, some creepy things and some animals and whatnot. But it included you. That's awesome. And then the fall happened. Yeah, this is the bad part that I was talking about. This is chapter three. So, you know what, let's just read it. Now, the serpent, uh, the enemy, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, for some reason I always think, like I have a very vivid imagination, okay? So for some reason I always read this as the serpent with a British accent. <laughs> I'm going to try and I'm really sorry in advance. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree from the garden? Okay, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it was bad. It was real bad. <laughs> we move on. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but 
of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Surely you won't die from eating a piece of fruit. You're being dramatic, okay? Let's try and like look at this logically. Typical. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave her husband with her and he ate. Dum, 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 dum. Bad move, real bad move. At this point, the purest communion between God and man was interrupted by sin. Interrupted by a veil. So that's what we that's what we talk about. That's like part of the Christianese language is he tore the veil. That is what the veil is. Sin is the veil. It's the curse of sin and death. And it came as soon as uh, Eve took a bite of the fruit, as soon as she disobeyed. I actually think that if the veil became a thing, as soon as she made it, the decision in her heart to eat of the fruit, right? Because oftentimes we can feel a certain way. Our actions may not portray it, but you think that. You know what I'm saying? So sin binds intimacy with God, and thus the old covenant began, and humanity, i.e., not throwing them under the bus, but Adam and Eve, unknowingly now had a grievous and desperate need for a new covenant for the sake of the generations to follow, right? So I want to tell someone tonight that the enemy's plan to interrupt your intimacy with God doesn't mean that God's pursuit for personal relationship with you has stopped. Okay, I'm going to repeat that again. The enemy's plan to interrupt your intimacy with God doesn't mean that God's pursuit for personal relationship with you has stopped. He was, he is, and he always will have an endless desire to know you. And I mean, if he knows me and loves me, (laughs) he wants to know you. Okay? So all throughout the Old Testament, we see God become frustrated again and again and again with mankind because after the fall, we just kind of made room for error. Um, And also because the veil was so thick and blinding that we couldn't actually decipher that God wanted relationship with us, right? So our actions portrayed that way. Um, The fruit of our lives portrayed that way. And um, yes, there were small wins in the Bible, like the Israelites being set free from slavery, like what we talked about before, or even um, a young gun uh, named David who uh, fought on behalf of his king and his nation and like defeated a giant and whatnot. But every time men temporarily praised God and then went back to living their lives for themselves. Does anyone know what that feels like? anyone have fruit in their life or a season of their life where that was real i definitely do i can relate but i want to let you know that there was um, a need for a vessel to realign his original plan because the goal was always you god's focus was always relationship with you so my second point tonight is uh, reconciliation 
is relationship. It had to equal relationship. And reconciliation begins through intimacy of relationship. Pastor Sam always says that relationship is God's economy, right? And so I just wanna um, blow your mind for a moment. Yeah, you ready? To restore the design back to its original fulfillment, which was relationship, God needed a vessel. So he chose the purest form of mankind, a young virgin woman named Mary. I told you she'd appear again who could personally embody a picture of health and experience a taste of intimate relationship with God through the birthing of his son, Jesus Christ. She obviously wasn't married, but she was betrothed. So um, culturally back then, the fact that she said yes, accepted the call from an archangel named Gabriel. His job, Archangel Gabriel, his job is um, official announcement guy from heaven, basically. And... She said yes to deliver the Son of God. And the fact that she said yes was big news for everyone in more ways than one. But the imagery of this woman bringing life into the world was a message that God was about to replace the former standard of purity with a new standard. I.e., Eden, the Garden of Eden, was the original purity. And it was tainted through sin. And Mary being a virgin, carrying the Son of Man was the new standard of purity, which means that intimacy was taken through sin. And so to restore his original desire to be in relationship with man, sin had to die and death itself had to be defeated. This is the part that's going to be like, this could only be fulfilled by the finished work of the cross, which means that someone had to sacrifice themselves. Because they tried sacrificing other parts of creation before and it didn't work. Time and time again, nothing changed. Time and time again, man kept living for themselves, right? But for that one to fully tear the veil of sin and death, their very DNA, as in the blood flowing through their veins, had to be pure. And so God's plan was, all right, Jesus, my boy, it's time. The plan is coming into effect and you have to go down to earth, walk among those who are like us, those who are made in our image and you'll have to actually physically die. Your blood will shed. Our DNA will be poured out for all of mankind. Our DNA will cover sickness. Our DNA will cover death and defeat death itself, right? And Jesus is like, yeah, okay, good deal. Sorry, I'm having some wardrobe malfunctions tonight. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, other translations say without blemish, meaning pure, right? Offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Meaning there was only one person's blood who would have covered your sin, my sin, who would have healed me, from depression, who would have healed me from any sickness that entered my body unknowingly, right? And without, without permission. And who one day will heal me of an illness that I've had for a very long time. But I'm gonna stand on these promises because I'm in new covenant with God. Amen. He lived a life on earth for 33 years. I hate to admit this, but this is only me in seven years time. Yeah, 
You do the math, okay? Throughout these years, he proved his sovereignty through kindness, many signs, miracles, and wonders. And my favorite thing about Jesus was that he had, he was the OG of having heart eyes for the one in everything he did. He was in crowds, right? He was in multitudes and he would single out one person and being like the guy who was blind. And he was in a, a room full of thousands of people, well, not really a room, probably outside, hello. It's Bible days, come on. Outside with thousands of people around him and there's this one guy who's blind and he's saying, teacher, teacher, I need to be healed. He's crying out and Jesus, having ears, he's like, I just walked, walked past someone who, who needs me. He touched his robe and he's like, someone just touched my cloak. And the disciples are like, man, we're in a room of like thousands of people. So many people would have touched you. And he goes, no, 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 no. That one person. He was after that one person. And because his DNA heals things, sicknesses, illnesses, he just spat on his hand, put it on his eyes and that guy had sight again. Amazing. He had hard eyes for the one. Then he was unfairly judged by man, betrayed, tortured, and he was crucified. And as he took his last breath in John 19, verse 30, he said, it is finished. It being the finished work of the cross. It being God, my Father, we are now in a place where your original design, your original plan can take place and flourish for the rest of eternity for all time which is awesome because that means that that veil that through sin Adam and Eve it was torn right down the middle no longer to be seen doesn't exist anymore sin was defeated the curse of sickness and death was broken his blood being laced with purity and the very DNA of God himself covered all sin And the new covenant began and Eden was restored. That's good news, somebody. That's good news. So I want to pose a question to you tonight. What covenant are you living under? Does your life portray the fruit of old covenant? Do you know God? Do you have an intimate relationship with Him or is it limited? Do you talk with God? Do you have fat chats every day? You wake up and you're like, what's up, homie? Thank you for the oxygen in my lungs. Let's have a day today. Or is it limited as well? Do you live your life in relationship with God or do you operate by religiosity and ritual? Maybe you've never known that you could have personal relationship with God. I'm here to tell you tonight you totally can and it's flipping awesome. Maybe you thought you were in relationship with God, but have been striving with good works to prove yourself to Him. I feel like He's like, you about done? That's hard, man. That's a hard way to live life. Through striving. Just come rest with me. Come walk with me. Talk with me. He's up for a chat. 